Good morning, my fellow Martians. Welcome to another episode of Mixed Martian Arts. My name is Austin Shaper, and this is a daily show where we explore the topics of UAP, UFC, and World War III. Today is going to be a brief episode just talking about the amazing pay-per-view that just took place last night. What a card it was. Uh, before we dive into the content, you guys, do me a favor and just subscribe to the channel and click like on the video. That helps me out a lot. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Let's dive right in. Last night, I ended up watching the fights at a bar by myself because my buddies who I normally watch these fights with were both out of town and I didn't want to pay the 80, 90 bucks uh, to Dana White to be able to watch them. So I went to the bar, watched it by myself for a little bit, got so bored watching the fights by myself. I ended up uh, looking on the internet, found a free stream, sorry Dana, and uh, leaving during right as the Ian Gary fight was starting. And uh, of course the stream was working flawlessly. Then I leave and I get back home and then it starts cutting in and out, but it ended up working out for me. And what a night it was. Let's just start right at the top with Sean O'Malley TKOing Aljamain Sterling becoming the 135-pound champion. I mean, what else can you say other than what a performance? I think that I have a few thoughts about this fight. One is that what what else can you say other than congrats to Sean O'Malley? I thought that uh, the first round was very competitive. I thought that Aljamain Sterling won the first round, and all three judges did agree. They scored at 10-9, and Aljo had a great game plan. And if you guys remember my video that I posted last week talking about this uh, fight, I was a little worried for Aljo because of the quick turnaround, and I thought that if his sub, if his performance looked subpar, that he was going to have kind of a built-in, not excuse, but a built-in uh, rationale as to why he wasn't able to get the job done. You know, he had a quick turnaround, just had a five-round war uh, with Henry Cejudo, and then before you know it, he's right back in training camp. But I got to say, after watching the fight, I think we saw the best Aljo and the best Sean O'Malley. You know, um, Aljamain had a great game plan. He knew what he had to do. He had to get close. He had to uh, stay uh, close to Sean O'Malley, and the leg kicks at the beginning were very effective. And yeah, he won the first round. And then uh, starting into the second round, man, Sean O'Malley just takes over uh, quickly, you know, fast with that counter. As Aljo's closing the gap, I thought Aljo's plan was smart. You know, he fought a great fight. It's just, you know, Sean O'Malley's quick. He's a sniper on the feet. He's got the length. He's got the reach. And uh, Aljamain said as much. He said that he was worried about that specific shot landing, and he tried his best to train uh, and have sparring partners who could emulate that same style. But I guess in the heat in the moment, man, uh, he got just slightly... Uh, overly aggressive, I guess you could say, going in for that. Uh, he was going in for a strike, but it looked like he was kind of going to faint and do a level change and try to get a hold of O'Malley. Smart game plan. O'Malley's plan was just better. And a, a few a few interesting notes. Sean O'Malley said in the post-fight presser that he hadn't grappled in six weeks leading up to the fight because he had an injury in his rib uh, and I mean, so he didn't grapple for six weeks leading up to the biggest fight of his life against the best grappler in the division in Aljamain Sterling, and he still kept it on the feet, and he still was able to capitalize uh, when, when a moment presented itself. So, I mean, hats off to Sean O'Malley. What a performance, man. It's exciting to see him as the champion. I am a big Sterling fan. I know a lot of people are not for whatever reason. Uh, he's had a very controversial rise to champion, uh, through his defenses, 
with the TJ Dillashaw fight, the two yawn fights, you know, and uh, it's just controversial, but at the end of the day, I'm a huge fan of him. I thought he was extremely humble in defeat. Uh, I thought he had a great attitude, and in the post-fight presser, you know, he, he really opened up about the experience, and man, you just you got to respect him, dude. He's an amazing, he's an amazing champion. I would say the best bantamweight of all time, and uh, Sterling uh, got smoked, you know. Uh, there was a lot of controversy about the stoppage. I did think that it was slightly early. I think especially when it's a title fight such as this, you got to let it play out. Even if the champ is in danger, you should let it play out a little longer. That being said, it did look like Aljamain was trying to scramble back to his feet right as the ref called it. Now, do I think it would have changed the result? Not even a little bit. I think Aljo was... Uh, he was going to go to uh, Narnia. You know, he was going to go to the Netherlands if he kept taking those strikes. You know, he was getting ground and pounded. His head was bouncing off the canvas. Uh, and then the initial shot that put him down face planted him onto the canvas. So, end of the day, slightly early stoppage, but nothing to be too upset or up in arms about because the result was going to be the same. Uh, we can say that with like 99.9% uh, certainty. So, what a freaking fight, man. Legendary. And, you know, uh, right after the fight... Sugar Sean called out Cheeto. You guys know Cheeto got a victory tonight, a decision over Pedro Munoz, and it looks like that fight might be happening in December. What what a fight that's going to be. It's going to be a rematch. You guys know that's uh, Sean O'Malley's only loss, and that was uh, he had that injury going into the fight. He got injured during the fight with his leg, and then the uh, TKO, again, it was an early stoppage by the ref, but I think the ref knew that Sean was injured. So they're going to run that back. I'm excited about that. I do think Aljamain deserves a rematch, I think this is a case where, you know, again, in my opinion, he's one of, if not the greatest bantamweight of all time, and he put up a valiant effort, and he won the first round. So it was competitive, and it just turned so fast, and, you know, the finish happened. It is what it is. I do think Aljamain deserves the rematch, the immediate rematch. Is it going to happen? No, I don't think so. I think that uh, he's not exactly in Dana's good graces, you know, they've constantly been at it in the media over the years uh, through a variety of reasons. And when that kind of stuff happens and then you lose the belt, the likelihood of you getting back in there for an immediate title shot rematch is uh, slim to none. So I think they're going to go with some new blood. I think they're going to throw Vera into that title fight. And uh, that is going to be a great one. I do think Aljamain might end up staying at 135 now. He said that he had to do some reassessing about going up to 145. You know, you guys know he wanted to go up and uh, face Volkanovski for the belt. And he even openly said, if Sean O'Malley could do this to me, then what would Volk do to me? So he's got some soul searching to do. What a champion. What a fight, dude. Uh, it's now the sugar era, I guess you could say. Um, overall, the card in general was just a really good card. I mean, it was almost flawless. I was getting really worried because you guys know these free links get sketchy. You know, they cut out at the most in opportune moments, but it mostly had out for me. Like 99% of the time, as long as you don't like bump your phone or press any buttons or open a new tab or text messages or anything, the fight stays on. So I did get to see the 99% of the fights. Uh, let's move on to the Zhang um, Wei Li and uh, Amanda Limos fight. That was a good fight, man. I mean, you just got to see how dominant the champion is. Again, what was this? It was like completely dominant all five rounds you could say went to Wei Lee and uh, I gotta say though Amanda Lemos I did kind of discount her I didn't know that much about her career and I thought she was kind of a lamb going into the slaughter she did put up a valiant effort she really did I mean it wasn't quote-unquote competitive but she was uh, in the fight the whole time you know she was never fully out of it anytime she got taken down 
of which she kind of kept falling for that same trap, right? She would land some strikes against Wei Li on the feet, and she was looking sharp on the feet, but then she would get overzealous, close the distance, and before you know it, she's flat on her back. She did go for a Darce a couple times, and it kind of looked like she got the she got it in, you know, but Wei Li is a championship material. What else can you say? And uh, defended the choke and got out of it time and time again and just kept putting her on her back and then started to outstrike her on the feet as well. I was very surprised that Amanda didn't get finished. It's impressive alone that she was able to survive the five rounds. That being said, I think it went the way a lot of people thought, but you got to give props to Amanda because she really did put up a good effort. It's about as good as you can hope for against Wei Li, right? You know, they were somewhat evenly matched on the feet for a while. Uh, Wei Li just started to pull away, and then there was absolutely no... Uh, no competition on the ground. You know, uh, Whaley was getting crazy with the ground and pound, defending the submissions when they did come up. And uh, what a performance, man. She retains her belt. And where does she go from here? God only knows because I don't know who the hell can beat her. Uh, you know, there's not many out there that can probably even compete with her. Amanda did the best job she possibly could have. Now let's move on to the Ian Gary-Neil Magny fight. This is the one where I missed like half of the first round because of the stupid stream. It was flawless when I was in the bar, and I was like, okay, I'm about to bounce and get home. I'm going to watch this in bed and be able to go to sleep early, and then the fight cuts out. But it did come back in like two minutes left in the first round, and then it was good from there. Ian Gary not getting the finish. What do we make of that? Um, nothing, in my opinion. What else can you say other than he just destroyed Neil Magny? He looked, he made Neil Magny look like he didn't even belong, which is crazy because if you guys know anything about Neil Magny's career, that kind of stuff doesn't really happen to him. He has the most wins in welterweight history, even over even over GSP. So, I mean, the dude knows what he's doing. He's talented. He's got the, he had the reach. This is the first fight, I believe, at least in the UFC career of Ian Gary, where he did not have the height and reach advantage. And yet, you know, it didn't, it didn't cause him to stumble at all. This fight happened on two weeks notice with Jeff Neal having to pull out completely different stylistic matchup. And Ian Gary, you know, just adjusted perfectly. He was slapping those leg kicks. I was amazed that Neil Magny uh, even survived the fight. I didn't think that Ian Gary was being too reserved. I thought he was a little reserved, and he even said as much afterwards. He's like, you know, people get KO'd when they get over-aggressive for the finish, uh, when they smell blood like a shark in the water, and they try to go for it. Sometimes it ends up in them getting sloppy and getting finished. So um, technical performance, flawless performance. What else can you say? Ian Gary is going to be a superstar. I think it's pretty safe to say that. He remains undefeated. And now he called out Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I think that is the fight to make, man. What a legendary fight. And if he gets past Wonderboy, man, I'd say it's like one more fight, two more fights, and then uh, give that man a title shot. So really, really throws in another um, another big player into the welterweight division. It was is impressive, man. A 10 out of 10 performance. And yes, he didn't get the finish. That's the only thing that could have made it go over the top. But I mean, he absolutely destroyed Neil Magny in every way. Neil had nothing for him. It was almost like Neil didn't even realize he should be fighting back. He just went into pure survival mode. He started to get, every time he got kicked, the wincing, he would wince so big and he would fall, he would grimace. And, um, you know, Ian did try to get on top near the end of the third and get a finish, but, you know, Neil Magny held out. Props to him. I did not see this myself, but uh, Dana White said that uh, that uh, Neil Magny sprinted out of the octagon when the fight was done, and he thought that the reason why is that if he waited any longer to, to you know, like soak in the defeat, I guess, in front of everybody, that he would have had to get carried out on a stretcher because his leg was probably going to seize up or whatever it may be. So... 
Amazing fight, dude. Amazing card. I love when these cards, you know, sometimes the um, pay-per-views, there's so much anticipation for them, and then they kind of, they don't fall flat, but it's like you have so much anticipation, and if it's a bunch of decisions, maybe some boring fights, bad calls by the ref, bad decisions, whatever it is, you kind of walk away with going like, ah, it wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be. This card was not that. This card, uh, it fulfilled, uh, you know, every every single fight was damn near flawless. I mean, the buildup was crazy, and then to the main event, it was just an explosive fight, and there wasn't a finish in every single fight, but you don't always need that. Sometimes the back-and-forth wars we love to see, and um, yeah, what a car, dude. So Ian Gary, props to him. I'd love to see that Wonder Boy fight, and he even called for it to be a five-round, um, you know, I guess fight night. I think it's time, man. And I think Wonderboy's going to love that because that's a guy who's going to stand on the feet. Uh, we know that Stephen Wonderboy at this point in his career isn't overly thrilled about fighting the grapplers. He said as much when he was about to uh, be paired up with Shavkat Rachmanov, and he said, I don't want to fight that guy. I don't blame him. He's 40 years old. Give the dude some stylistic matchups where he can, uh, you know, he has a good shot. So very excited for that fight. We'll have to see about a date. Looks like Ian Gary took essentially no damage, so I bet you that fight happens before the end of the year if we get so lucky. Moving on to the Cheeto Vera-Pedro Munoz fight. Some people were kind of uh, up in arms about this one, thinking Pedro won. I did think it was a close fight, but in my opinion, it looked to me that Cheeto, uh, yeah, Cheeto won that thing fair and square. I look at the damage on Pedro's face, virtually no damage from Cheeto. A couple times in the third, I felt that uh, Cheeto could go for the finish, maybe a little more. He was rather reserved, but I think he had a lot on the line. I think he knew that if he won and then Sean O'Malley won the belt, he was going to be getting that title shot, and that's exactly how it panned out. There's a lot of there's going to be a lot of argument about should Marab get that next title shot, uh, or or is it okay to throw it to Cheeto? Cheeto is coming off that loss to Sanhagen. Now he gets this decision win over Pedro, so not a finish. Nothing like crazy impressive. I did think it was cool to see his evolution because normally we see Cheeto kind of come out the gate slow. He reminds me of Donald Cowboy Cerrone in that regards where he just kind of comes out the gate the first round kind of slow and uh, overly measured. This he seemed to learn his lesson in this one because he, he didn't seem slow at all in the first round. It was very back and forth. He really started to pull away in the third and even, I believe, in the second half of the second round. So impressive victory. I think that rematch is called for. I would like to see Marab get a title shot soon. Even next would be fine with me. He deserves it without a doubt. But at the end of the day, the UFC is going to go with the big money fights. And uh, the rematch between Cheeto and Sean is probably going to make a lot more money uh, than Marab is, in all truthfulness. So you can't hate him. Hopefully Marab gets a title shot soon, uh, preferably after that fight ends. Whoever wins, be it Cheeto or be it uh, Sean O'Malley defending his belt. Last thing we'll talk about is the Chris Weidman fight. This one, I'm sure if you guys are a big UFC fan like myself, you're probably like biting your nails, anxious as hell, watching Chris Weidman try to get back in the octagon after, what was it, like two, two and a half years. He got injured badly, snapping that leg uh, to smithereens in 2021. Surprised he even made a comeback. Now, how was his performance? Well, for one, he had his moments. I think it's very obvious Anybody can see it at this point. Now he's lost, what, six in a row? Maybe seven in a row at this point? Uh, it's time to hang up the gloves without a doubt. He did have his moments, though. You know, he landed on the feet uh, well against, you know, Brad Tavares several times, but uh, Brad was pretty much putting a clinic on him. And Chris Weidman, I believe Dana said he suffered another, I think it was an ACL or MCL injury. So poor dude just recovers from an injury from his leg. 
puts him out for two years. He gets back in the octagon, gets his leg fucked up again. I'm not sure which leg it was, but uh, both of them were getting obliterated. I mean, Brad Tavares, it kind of looked at the beginning like there was a mutual agreement, like let's not throw leg kicks because Chris Weidman told everybody, hey, I'm going to blast a leg kick the second I get out there to show everybody that I'm back. He didn't do that, and it looked like Brad Tavares was kind of like, okay, you don't kick me, I won't kick you. And then he changed his mind and said, hold up, never mind, I'm going to kick the shit out of you every three seconds. Chris Weidman had no answer for it, and this is another reason why I think he should retire. I mean, he went zero for eight or nine on takedown attempts. His takedowns were sloppy. They were slow. They were from far away. Kept going for the double leg against the cage. Brad Tavares was defending it as if he was like fending off a small child trying to take him down. There was no competition there as far as the grappling goes. And that was Chris Weidman's bread and butter his entire career. So that to me is the biggest red flag of it all. We know that Chris Weidman has never been the best on the feet. He obviously has had some amazing knockouts. He's still a professional in every regard, but it's not where his bread and butter is. He wins those fights with the grappling, with the wrestling, with the takedowns, and he wasn't able to do that at all. And was that because his both his legs were compromised? Was it because of age, uh, ring rust of being out for two years? I guess we can only speculate as to why, but when somebody loses this many times in a row, has a catastrophic injury, comes back, at the end of the day, we can only be proud of him because to even be able to come back is impressive enough, and then to not even get finished was another win on top of that, and to be able to walk out with both your legs somewhat intact. I mean, he's going to have to heal and mend from that ACL or MCL tear, but I think that's a wrap for Chris Weidman. It's hard to feel bad for a guy who's a multimillionaire who held the belt for so long, and you know, hard to feel bad for him uh, too much. You know, He's going to cry all the way to the bank. I'm sure he gets a fat paycheck from the UFC, so uh, hopefully he's good financially. I would imagine he is. And what else can you say, man? Chris Weidman, what a legend, a legend of the sport. He thought it was very disrespectful that he was put on the prelims. I thought that was a ridiculous thing to be upset about. He was losing so many fights in a row, most of them by finish. And when that happens, the UFC ain't going to throw you on the main card, no matter what name you have, I guess, unless it's Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson got the benefit of the doubt on that one against the Bobby Green fight. But Chris Weidman, you know, what can you say? He got the uh, prelim headliner, which is still the most attention in a fight you know, in the placement of the card that you can get um, if you're not on the actual main card. So that's the that's the end of the career. I would I would hope that Dana would cut him. Or oh, oh, I I should say this. I don't hope that he gets cut. I hope that he is wise enough to realize. Okay, I don't got it anymore. He looks slow as molasses, and he did have some. I mean, again, he did land some good strikes. It's just not overly competitive the entire time I was scared he was going to get finished or that leg was going to give out for good and you know he held out so the resilience is there the toughness is still there the heart the grit the determination the motivation all of it's there it's just the speed the technique uh the dominance that he once displayed in his career it's over you know and father time gets us all and as Dana said when you're a fighter it especially gets you so there's nothing to um, be disappointed about in Chris. And again, how can he be upset? You know, he had an amazing career. He's probably in the Hall of Fame and he's a multimillionaire. So, you know, it's going to be okay for Chris Weidman is my point. Overall, amazing card. I want your guys' thoughts on it. Did you think the stoppage versus O'Malley uh, in Sterling was fair? Was it justified? I thought it was just a tad early in the broadcast. I think Rogan said as much. It was a tad early. Aljo was rolling back over, and he probably could have maybe stood up. I don't know. Hard to tell, but he was clearly dazed. I mean, he literally, his nose hit the canvas when he took that counter shot on the feet. And it wasn't that his game plan was bad. It was just at the end of the day, uh, O'Malley's just 
Good luck getting that dude to the ground. And that was from no grappling for six weeks. Couldn't grapple for, what, a month and a half. And he even said that he was the most nervous going to this fight that he ever had been. And I could see it on his face. I don't know how you guys felt, but when he was in the octagon before the fight started, I was like, shitty, man, he looks like the weight of the world is on his shoulders. Normally he looks much more calm, cool, collected. He looked nervous. He said as much, and he said it's because that he looked at Aljo as the best bantamweight in the world going into this fight, and the fact that he couldn't grapple for so long. He said this shit is life or death. He said that. He said this, I feel like if I, if this dude gets a hold of me, it's life or death. And uh, Aljo never even got him to the ground once. And, you know, they asked in the post-fight presser, they asked Sean O'Malley, uh, did you feel you won that first round? And O'Malley said, you know, well, my goal was just to uh, keep it on the feet and to not get taken down. So for him, it was a moral victory. And he said, if I was able to do that in the first round, I knew I was going to get a KO. It's exactly how it played out. It's exactly how it played out, man. All three judges scored it 10-9 for Aljo. Thought that was fair. End of the day, I don't think Aljo can sit there. I, I didn't hear him say this, so this isn't coming from me saying that he's coming up with excuses, but I thought he did have kind of a built-in excuse saying, you know, hey, I um, wasn't able to mend for my injuries mentally. I wasn't all there because I had this. I was forced into this quick turnaround. But, um, you know, to his point, he actually put up the best fight. He, he looked 100% to me. I mean, he looked good. He looked sharp. His game plan was there. It's just at the end of the day, it's a dangerous game, closing the distance on Sean O'Malley, and he had no other choice. If he was to sit back and allow the leg kicks to add up and uh, uh, stay at distance, he was probably going to get caught by the sniper regardless. So he tried to close the distance, and it just wasn't enough, man. It was too slow. He was His chin was up in the air, and Sean O'Malley capitalized, man. What a great car, dude. I'm excited for what comes next for both Sean O'Malley and Cheeto uh, and Wei Li. I have no idea what comes next for Wei Li. You guys can let me know your thoughts on that. But what a night. What a card. I'm going to be freaking tired today. Didn't get bed to bed till like 1.30. Then my puppy wakes me up at like 7 a.m. sharp, and now i got to work all day. So it is what it is with these fights, man. You kind of just got to accept that on Sundays you're going to be a zombie. But is it worth it? 100%. I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. If you like this type of content and you want to see daily episodes, I post every day. Uh, Very rarely do I take a day off. So I post every single day. UAP, the UFO phenomenon, UFC news, and of course, World War III geopolitical stuff. So if you like that stuff, do me a favor, just subscribe to the channel, click like on the video. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, just click follow, leave me a five-star review. And lastly, if you'd like to be a part of a community, we've got a small but growing group on Discord at Mixed Martian Arts. You can find the link in the description of this video, where we just kind of give predictions on the fights, we talk about the geopolitical stuff, we share news about the UAP phenomenon, ask questions, share experiences, and just kind of have like a network. It's fun to be able to discuss things that you're interested in with other people, right? So I enjoy doing the monologues here on YouTube, uh, but I especially like hearing other people's perspectives and uh, kind of building a group. We're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff in the future, watching fights together, uh, gaming, doing all kinds of cool stuff, just building a community and having fun with people who share the same interests. So if that sounds appealing to you, just go ahead, click the description in the uh, link to this video. It's It's a private group, but you should be able to publicly enter it if you just click that link. So I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Tomorrow we'll be back with potentially a UAP episode. I haven't 100% decided, but, um, Check back on my page in the morning and you'll see something, whether it be UAP. It's probably not going to be UFC since I did today, but UAP or World War III. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. What a card. And on to the next one. Peace out, guys.